Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. We do want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Maybe you're on our, our stream or perhaps you're on our podcast. We do want to welcome you no matter what day of the week it is. Hope Covenant, would you welcome our online viewers and listeners this morning? Welcome. We consider you a part of this family, and we say it every week. If you're ever in the Charlotte area, go ahead and stop by if you would, and we'll make you feel right at home. Won't we, Hope Covenant? Yes, right on. Hey, we're on part three of this series. This series is shaping up to be an amazing series. There's amazing revelation um, that is in this for each of us. And I'm just going to do kind of a recap. But today is Life of Jesus, part three. And there's three words that we're going to focus on. Authority, assurance, and assignment, which I think is sort of the high-level view of this uh, this third day, which is Tuesday in the, the Passion Week that we're, we're calling the Passion Week, which is Sunday, Palm Sunday, all the way to Resurrection Sunday, and I can't wait for that one. But uh, I'll go over that right now. Sunday we did, uh, two weeks ago, the triumphal entry in Jerusalem. Again, we know this as Palm Sunday. Then last week we did Monday where Jesus clears the temple. And man, I don't know about y'all, but I was way convicted uh, as, as I was going through the scriptures on that. Today is Jesus teaches on the Mount of Olives, and I want to pause here because we did an entire series on this one day called the Beatitudes back in the fall. Y'all remember that? The fall, y'all. Remember that? Um, then uh, next week will be Wednesday where Jesus rested in Bethany, and I told you there's not a whole lot of scripture that supports that day. It was kind of like Jesus was was resting, and there, there wasn't a whole lot going on there, so we're going to couple that with Thursday, the Last Supper. And then Friday was the crucifixion. Saturday, Jesus was in the grave, and this was a dark moment. It was a moment of waiting and warring, and a lot of people were discouraged and afraid. How many of you guys see that in culture today? And we're going to couple that and look at what revelation we can see for today. And then how many of you know, but Jesus rose on Sunday. And can I get a shout of praise that we give to the Lord this morning? If you're happy and you know it, yeah. So the reason we're devoting an entire series uh, to this this uh, this whole week is I told you in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's 89 chapters, and uh, there's there's quite a bit. 29 out of 89 chapters are specifically that's one third of scripture in those four books that are just this one week. And so we, we created a series out of this. And today I want to look at Tuesday where Jesus teaches on the Mount of Olives. I think it's important to note that a lot of verses are actually dedicated towards this day. Again, we did this whole series on the Beatitudes. There's, there's over 200 verses that apply to this specific day out of those four books. Can you say, wow, that's a lot of verses. So uh, that's, that's, again, uh, I want to look at the high-level view. We're not going to dig into as much as we did in the Beatitudes series, but look at the high-level view of those three words the key words I, I think can be summed up best, which are authority, assurance, and assignment. So let's go back. Remember the day before on Monday, Jesus clears the temple, and the religious leaders, they're kind of ticked off with Jesus. They're not happy with him. On, they were not happy with, on Sunday, his triumphal entry. 
um, they, they, were, they, weren't, they were irritated about the worship that was being given to him and the praise and the adoration of the people. Then Monday he comes in and, and basically rebukes the, the, the folks that were in the temple and the religious leaders. And so they're not happy with him. Let's look at Matthew 21, verse 23 to 27. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. And check this out. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? So Jesus, how many of you know, is the authority? Okay, that's the first word there. And they're challenging his authority right there. So you see a religious spirit challenging the authority of Jesus. How many of you know that hasn't stopped? There's religious spirits that still challenge the authority of Jesus even today. Verse 24, Jesus replied, and I love this. Guys, can, can you say Jesus is sharp? Yes. Jesus is sharp. Check out his reply here. I will, I will also ask you a question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. In other words, if you come up with an answer, I'll give you this answer. John's baptism, where did it come from? Jesus was asking the religious leaders this question. Where, he's asking that. Where, was it from heaven or human origin? How many of you know Jesus is kind of on his game right there by asking that sharp question that he knows they're, they're not going to have an answer for that. You can, you can almost hear them like, oh! You can, you can hear them in that moment, these religious folks. So they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? You can see their frustration right there in that moment. Verse 26. But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Like, ha ha, we got him. And then he, Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. <laughs> Do you know why? Because Jesus is the authority. You're talking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> Jesus, there, there's no authority higher than Jesus. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you'll notice that Jesus has this quiet confidence that's clothed in humility. He just gives these questions. It's like, I am. I am the authority. I love that. And we all have a moment where we have to make this decision, who will be the authority, who will be the Lord of our life and of our heart. We all have to make that decision at one point. I'm so glad that I've made that decision, that I have that confidence. What I love about this passage of scripture is that the religious leaders, they're demanding answers, but Jesus responds with questions. And he provokes in those moments. We think of Jesus as the answer man, but if you follow Jesus in scripture, you'll also find he answers with the question, which by the way, is a very Jewish trait. It's, I love that. It's kind of a Jewish culture thing. Jesus loves provoking and challenging our thought process. Jesus constantly provoked faith in the Bible, and guess what? He's not changed his method today. Jesus is still doing that. That's why we do not have all of the answers. And guys, even as a pastor, I have many times people come up and they ask me questions, and there's sometimes I look at them and then go, I don't know. I actually have the same question. How many of you know what's the opposite of faith? Anybody? What's the opposite of faith? 
Okay, we've been taught fear. It's actually seeing. Because when you see, you don't need faith. So Jesus oftentimes responds with questions to provoke our faith and belief in him because that's where it's like either we believe that he's Lord and he's the answer man and he does have the answer and we'll understand one day when it's time for us to understand. Many times, and I'm going to say this, this is not in my notes, but our desire to understand and pride can be very linked together because we want to know it all. But there's tremendous humility when you can surrender and say, God, I don't understand. I don't get even your ways, but I understand that your ways are higher and they're greater. And I trust that you are the authority. Man, it's hard to make him Lord. It's hard to get to that place. We don't understand why we lose certain people. We don't understand why bad things happen to good people. We don't understand why we're dealing with certain challenges that we're dealing with. Why did this person get healed and this person didn't? Why did this person pass away and this person lived? Why was I in that car accident and that person died and I survived? Why? 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 We don't know. But what we know is that we walk by faith and not by sight. And when we could get to a place where we stop asking questions and start trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, man, there's an amazing freedom that comes with that when you just surrender it. And I want to challenge you today that if Jesus is the ultimate authority in your life, what you're saying is I give up my ability and or no, not ability. I give up my need to understand. I lay it at your feet and I trust you. I trust your narrative. It's not having all the answers provokes us to live by faith. So the religious leaders, they, they, they're demanding answers where Jesus responds with questions. And guys, this happens all Tuesday long where they just harass him with one question after another after another. Religious folks clutter and complicate the gospel. You see that here where they're making the gospel complicated. They're cluttering it. And you'll always notice that a religious spirit will do that. It perverts the, the, the truth of the gospel. There's a perversion that comes with religious spirits. You see in Jesus' teachings and in his messages that they're clear, they're relatable, and they're easy to understand. Guys, I want to encourage you with this today, that when you're spreading the message of Jesus, make it clear and make it understandable for folks. Don't speak Christianese to people. It doesn't make you look more spiritual. It makes you look really stupid, actually. Because how many of you know it's, it, he is the ultimate one who's brilliant? We read that about Jesus. So you, you have the, the Pharisees and you have the Sadducees coming after Jesus with question bait, I'll call it. They're trying to bait him. They're trying to trap him with, with insecurities that they actually have. And they're, they're trying to aim this at Jesus. They're cranky religious whiners all throughout Tuesday. How many of you just love cranky religious whiners? Cranky religious whiners. They have a critical spirit. They're, they're upset. They're angry with Jesus. I find that the most religious people are usually connected to the most angry people I've ever met. But in the midst of it all, you see a Savior who's loving and he's patient. Guys, Jesus never loses his cool with them. He's loving and he's patient and he's confident because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he knows it. He knows that he is the final authority and the ultimate authority. 
We could all take notes for how Jesus treated the haters in that moment where they were challenging him and nagging him constantly on the day of Tuesday. How is it that Jesus was so patient when they're challenging him and nagging him and undermining him and misrepresenting him? What an example that when you have the authority even dwelling within you, you don't need to be moved by spirits of criticism and spirits of religion. Man, that's good. We need an amen on that. We all need to walk in authority and not be moved by what we see in society and the perversion that we see in society. You know, I've been noticing there's a bunch of articles that are coming out of mega church pastors. It seems like are dropping like flies right now. And I'm not picking on mega church because that's actually what we're going after in Hope Covenant Church. That if the Lord chooses to grow this into something huge, okay, we're good with that. We just want this to be what God wants it to be. We're not trying to do anything other than just be available for God to move. But I do believe that when revival hits and God starts to move like never before, and I believe there's a coming move of God like never before, because Scripture says that in the end times we're going to see a great harvest. And I don't believe that any church in Charlotte's going to have enough seats for all the people that will come in. I truly believe that when the Lord awakens, but I'm looking at what's going on right now and God is doing a cleansing and a purging. And guys, I want to encourage you that now is not a moment to mess around with sin. I believe God is cleaning house. And if you're willing to repent, he will use you. He will wash you and you could be used by the Lord like never before. So that's not, a, that's not a death sentence to you. It's a wake-up call for you that you have the ability to cleanse yourself in the presence of the Lord. That's why we worship and we leave room for us to marinate in the presence of God. Because as you move close to God, he starts to show you the things you need to get right with him. It's an amazing cleansing that happens in the presence of the Lord. So we all need to walk in authority and not be moved by what we see in society and take notes from Jesus here. Jesus opened himself up to his enemies, to these religious folks. He actually gave them an answer. He didn't ignore them. He answered them with questions, of course. Jesus tried throughout his parables and teachings to win them over. But they rejected him in the midst of it all. And that's okay. Jesus was not moved. He was not moved. Guys, when you spread the message of the gospel and somebody rejects you, just love them. Just love them through it and just keep trying. Don't be moved. Take notes from Jesus here. So at the end of Tuesday, day three, Jesus starts to talk about the end times, and we're going to shift here. You see Jesus displaying comfort and assurance. Remember, the first word is authority, and you see his authority. Now you see his assurance. Jesus communicates to the disciples That in the end times, it's going to be okay. Everybody say this with me. It ends well. It ends well. When you look at the news, I put the news on this morning and I was like, oh, you could start. It's funny how when the news is on, you could feel the oppression. But I had to remind myself as I was watching it, hey, this ends well. And we walk in victory. We hold the victory because we hold Jesus right here. Can I get an amen? So check this out about the end times in Matthew 23, verse 37 to 39. And and really turn your spirits on to this, guys, because I'm telling you, this is amazing. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look. 
Your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've got this. I'm going to gather you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you in these crazy times as it relates to the end times. But you have to accept me as your Savior and your Lord so you can dwell in my presence so that my shadow of protection can be over you. So when we submit to the Lord, we open ourselves up to the wings and the shadow of his protection. His angels that are sent charge over us. Matthew 24, verse 1 to 4, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. And Jesus said, do you see all these things? He asked, truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. So what Jesus is communicating is that some stuff's going to happen here while I'm gone. That's what he's saying there. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out. Everybody say this with me. Watch out that no one deceives you. Jesus warns of the trap of deception here. And in the same passage, we just, in that same passage that we just read, he also assures us that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. How many of you see deception in the day and the age that we're living in? Yeah. I'm going to read this again. So what's the sign of the end of the age? He says, watch out that no one deceives you. So he actually arms you with guard yourself that you're not deceived. Because there will obviously be deception or we would have no reason to guard ourselves of that. I love this passage of scripture where Jesus describes the end times before he returns. So I want you right now before we read this passage of scripture to open your mind. These are the red letter words of Jesus. Here's what he says will be a sign that things are wrapping up on the earth. He says, uh, Matthew 24, verse 10 to 14, and many will be offended. I'm going to pause right there. Does anybody see anybody offended right now? And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Has anybody seen the streets of even Charlotte over the past two years? People get ready. Jesus is coming. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound. Anybody seen lawlessness lately? And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end, I love this. this I love how he couples this with hope. I love how there's an assurance here. But he who endures to the end will or shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Now, the Bible is very clear that no man knows the day or the hour. Amen? Amen. That means you agree with that. Yes. No man knows the day or the hour. So I'm not going to sit up here and try to claim that I know the day or the hour. I do believe that most of what I see here in that scripture proves Jesus can come back any minute. And I'm going to live ready for that. 
When we get to verse 14, though, and the gospel will be preached in all of the world as a witness to the nations, and then the end will come. I believe we've got work to do. That tells me, okay, we need to get to work here if you're wanting the return of the Lord. And I want to say this, church, that here at Hope Covenant, we are desiring the return of the Lord. ASAP. Anybody want to be out of here and be with the Lord? I mean, my goodness. I mean, I, I, let's go. Let's go. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. Because Jesus is the authority, he can give this assurance in this scripture. Because he's the authority, he gives the assurance. And now check this out. He gives three assurances that I can see here in his teachings on Tuesday for the times that we're living in right now. Okay? Number one is he gives the assurance of victory. We're going to be okay and it's going to end well, he says. Number two, he gives the assurance of mission. The gospel will, everybody say will, will. be preached. It's not a question mark. It's not maybe the gospel will be preached. The gospel will be preached. And then three is the assurance of completion. The end will come. Matthew 24, verse 14. The end will come. So you can know there's an end to all of this. Now that either excites you or it scares you, depending on where you're at. And that's where we asked yesterday when Jesus cleared the temple, and I encourage you to look at the temple of your heart, every person here individually, what's on the temple of my heart? Do I have this assurance? Am I living at a place where I'm ready? Am I watching a movie that if Jesus were to come back in this moment, I'm ready to go, and I could say, you were pleased with that? Or, as I was convicted with this week, the conversations that you're having. If Jesus were to come back in the middle of that conversation, would you go, oh, snap? Or would you go, oh, great? What's our fellowship look like? What's our online practices? What's our Instagram practices? What's, what's our iPhone activity? What is our fellowship? What, what is, how are things looking? Now, Matthew 25, verse 35 to 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did, you, uh, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So what's our assignment? Our assignment is to love the least. The assignment is to love the least because Jesus is saying, how you treat the least of these is how you treat me. You know, I was convicted the other day. Liz and I went to uh, South Park. I love South Park. I love South Park Mall. Anybody, can I get an amen? amen? We were on our way there, and I was looking at the, the street corner, and there was a guy with a sign. There's always a guy at the sign, if, if, you've, if you've ever been. I think that's Tryon Road. And there was a guy with a sign, and he's, it was like veteran, need help. And my mind immediately went, you know what? Get a job and get your own money. That's, that's what my mind immediately thought. Like, get a J-O-B. You'll be all right, bro. There's a, there's a Chick-fil-A right there. And the Lord said to me, that's not my heart. 
And if that's how you treat that man, that's how you treat me. See, that man probably needs to be mentored. He's probably never had a good father, a good, a good family life. He's never had probably all of those things that I was benefited to have. And that man has a tremendous need, and he's saying it on a sign, and I've got a critical spirit like a Pharisee or a Sadducee. And the Lord convicted me on the spot. If God's not convicting you regularly like that, you need to get into his presence because that's where that conviction comes from. It's the assignment to love the least of these. Jesus is saying when, how you treat them is how you treat me. So we went over this, that Jesus is the authority. Jesus gives us an assurance. Jesus communicates our, our assignment. Can we just leave the rest up to the king? And can we check ourselves? We can't worry in these moments. You know, I was talking with my parents this week, and I said, I, I love A.W. Tozer's quotes, and he's got a ton of them in regards to fear. And he says, you can't fear the Lord and live in fear at the same time. The two contradict each other. You can't have a spirit of fear and fear the Lord because perfect love casts all, all fear. So when you're in touch with God and when you're hearing from the Lord, there is no fear when you're in his presence. That doesn't mean we're not going to be challenged with the obstacle of fear. It means that when fear comes, we say, in Jesus' name, Lord, I need your presence right now. I need to connect with you and cast out that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus and welcome the presence of the Lord, which does that automatically. So what do I do when I'm in fear? I worship. What do I do when I feel that happening? I, I was telling my mom that, uh, and can I be really honest with you guys? Can we just get real for a second, band? I'm, I'm going to get there. Don't worry. But can I, can I just be honest with you? I, when my brother-in-law passed away, which was just a couple months ago in January, there was a, 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 that death thing. When, if you've ever watched anybody go to be with the Lord, you watch them. It's just a weird experience. And I went home, and I went. Uh, I remember putting my clothes in the washing machine because I got a thing with hospitals where I like wash my hands 20 times, throw the clothes in the washing machine, wash them three times, you know. I'm, but I'm not, a, I'm not a germaphobe at all. And so I, I go and I do all this stuff, and then I get in the shower, and I couldn't close my eyes. I was so in fear. I was shampooing my hair, and I, I couldn't close my eyes. And I went, what is this? Spirit of fear, you go in Jesus' name. And I started to worship and I started to weep in his presence. And that fear left like that. Because worship disarms a spirit of fear. Why is that? It's not the music. It's the presence of the Lord that comes. And when you open your mouth, what you're telling the Lord is, I'm being obedient as a worshiper that you destined for me to be in this moment. And guys, that spirit of fear was ridiculous. It was so irrational. I'm afraid to close my eyes. And I'm getting shampoo in my eyes. Y'all know how that feels. It's great. I'm going, what? In spirit of fear, you need to go because my eyes don't need this right now. So let's pray. And I want to ask, I want to say this, the same thing I said last week. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and focus on his assignment. Because he gives us an assignment right here. And that's that last A word right there. Assignment that we are to love the least of these. So Father, we welcome your presence all across this room. And Lord, we just cast out a spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. And Father, we declare you perfect love that casts out all fear. Lord, we thank you that you're our authority, that you're our assurance, and that you've given us an assignment, that there's a, there's a, a task and, and, a, and a go that's connected with this of what we're supposed to do. So in the mighty name of Jesus, 
Lord, we thank you right now as you're teaching talks to us about father that your your authority is here that we can walk in authority we're not victims we're overcomers so father right now we declare that and i want to ask you this are anyone in here if you're dealing with a spirit of fear with every eye closed if you've dealt with or are dealing with the spirit of fear i want to encourage you to lift your hand i just admitted to it myself that i've dealt with it and i just command a spirit of fear to go in the name of jesus say that say spirit of fear go from me in the name of Jesus I command you to go no more in Jesus name and guys I'm so excited about this day and this hour that we're living in I'm so excited about this moment that we get to be here how many of you know that the Lord destined for each of us to be here in this time and so we've got an assignment we know that we walk in authority. We have an assurance that it's going to be okay. And we have an assignment to go out and take that message out. So, Lord, we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare your joy and your presence that would replace fear in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, would you shout amen? Hey, say this with me. Say, in Jesus' name, I accept your assignment. And I thank you, Lord, that this week, as I'm an overcomer, that you would allow me to influence others in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, would just shout amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.